I was praying, and, and the Lord put this in my heart, amen, in this sermon, Lord, revive us again, amen. Because sometimes we as humans, how many know we can get dry sometimes? We can get a little stale, amen. You ever see bread, amen, if you leave it around too long, amen, it gets stale, it gets dry, it gets a little mold on it, amen. And, you know, one of the things I want to minister on today and challenge, amen, is for us, amen, to eat, each one of us, even my own life, for Lord to revive us again, to revive us again with a hunger and a desire for you as never before, God. Lord, to revive us to that place, God, of where we first got saved, where we first found you, amen, even to the place, amen. Lord, take us back to that place that I found you in my life. I remember it was in the summer of 1985 when I came to Christ and I gave my life to Christ, amen, at a little store church, amen, in El Monte, Praise Chapel, amen. And I remember going there and getting saved and God touching me, going up for the altar call and, man, just weeping before the Lord, had mocos coming down and coming up as I sniffled, amen. And, man, I just remember the power of God that just touched me. And from that day forward, amen, God started doing something in my life and my hunger and my fervency for God was there, amen, and to a place, amen, that just revived me, amen. It took me away from the place I used to be of sin and all the worldly things and and God started doing something within my life and there was a freshness there was an anointing there was something great going on within my life but what happens with us sometimes as Christians remember when you first got saved I don't know when you got saved but I hope that when God saved you that time God just did something tremendously and awesome and 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 you know what the goal of this message on, on Lord revive us again is to learn how to recognize God's warning in our lives when we're no longer being alive under Christ. When we're no longer being fresh and with a hunger and desire for the things of God, then they, God will return our hearts, amen, and our lives to our first love to the Lord and that we would be satisfied in Him. Because in the world today, many Christians, they're satisfied with more of the things in the world than they are with the things of God. They're more satisfied with the things, amen, the desires of the world. You know, they need a boo. To be happy, amen. They need a guy to be happy. They got, you know, they, they're they're filling their lives with everything else, or their hearts with other loves, or sometimes even you can call it idolatry. There's Christians that put things before God. Whatever you put before God is what an idol is. It could be a car if you're in a car club. It could be people with their families, amen. That's their first love, and God has no priority within their lives. They believe in God, but God is not the first priority. And what happens is. When God's not our first priority, our heart can grow cold, amen? And how, how many ever eat leftovers? Leftovers are good, you know, not bad, you know, cold pizza, enchiladas, you know, all that stuff. But how many know you don't like leftovers every day? You want something fresh, you want something hot. And the same thing with God, he don't want us to serve him as a leftover God. In other words, we give him our leftovers, we don't give God our best no more. We no longer have that fervency for the things of God, we no longer have that fervency to, to do the will of God or be in his presence, we, we satisfy ourselves with other things instead of the love for God. In other words, you and I, we come to that place sometimes, or people come to that place sometimes as Christians, where God is no longer our first priority. The things of God, the kingdom of God, even, the, even simple things of coming to church or even worshiping God or singing to him and praying to him. And what happens sometimes, things that, it, it's like a dam. or you know When you put a dam up in, in, in a bridge of water or a river or stream, it stops the flow of the water. And no longer, then, you know, instead of being fresh and flowing, how many ever drink, go to the mountains and drink fresh water from the flowing rivers? Man, it's nice and cool, amen, it's refreshing, amen, it's just a different taste. But if it's backed up, 
after a while, you can't drink it no more because it starts to get microbes and all this other stuff, and you can no longer, or it starts to turn green, and it's no longer freshly flowing, and you really can't drink it, otherwise you're going to get sick. And same thing with us. When you and I, friend, let things come into our lives to start spiritually building a dam within our lives and no longer putting God priority and the Spirit of God no longer flowing within us, then you and I, friend, we've got to come to that place and say, Lord, you need to revive me again because your Spirit's no longer flowing within my life. My hunger, my desire, you're not the first thing in my life no more. And it can happen to any Christian. It can happen to any man, any woman because of who we are and we get satisfied in other things instead of God. Let me ask you this. How satisfied are you in watching TV versus reading your Bible? How satisfied are you on being on social media than you are in your prayer life? How satisfied are you in your relationship? Sister Veronica, when we walked in here, they have a temperature that we have to scan everybody in. It tells your temperature. Normal temperatures like 98.6 or something like that. So some of us were 97.4, 97.6. So they scanned the building and the building said cold. Or something like that. Low. And sometimes I wonder if God took our temperature today in a spiritual sense, would it be normal or would we have a fever? Because when you have a fever for the things of God, that's actually a good thing, right? Because when you got a fever for God, amen, that means there's a fire within you that your hunger, your desire is way up there and there's a fever, amen? And just, man, it changes within our lives instead of being saying, your temperature is low. So we have to gauge ourselves sometimes as Christians to see how our spiritual life is. Are we low? Are we average? Or do we got a fever? Because in the kingdom of God, having a fever for the things of God, it's a good thing. Amen? That song they used to sing, fever, fever in the morning. You know, this is what we need, a fever in the morning, a fever in the night for the things of God. Because it's so easy for his friend to no longer put God first within our lives, the priority, the hunger, the thirst, because we get caught up in the world. We get caught up and we... Our hearts can be taken away. Listen, and one of the things that can take us away from God is sin. And the world today we live in, especially in Christianity today, takes the things of God lightly in that area of sin. There's Christians today, they're living with unmarried people, amen? And it's sin, but it no longer, they, 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 it no longer affects their, their convictions. It no longer affects them to that place where sin is overtaken God. Sin, the love, the pleasure, the boo, amen, has overtaken their love for God. And what happens is, in the Psalms we're going to read right now, Psalms 85, this is a place, amen, where most commentators say this is what's happened in the book of Daniel, where they were taken over by the Babylonians because the people of God turned their hearts from God. And they turned their hearts from God, and because of that, they were oppressed. They were overtaken by the enemy for 70 years. They were in a place, friend, where they were separated from God because they let their hearts wander from God. They got caught up in idolatry. They got caught up in the effects of idolatry, the Babylonians and the sin, and, and their hearts were no longer there for God, and their place of thirst and hunger for God was now taken away by everything else. So I want to read this this morning, starting verse 1 of Psalms 85. It says, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob, or your Bible may say Israel. You have forgotten the iniquity of your sin, of your people. You have covered all their sin. Aren't you glad for that? You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. 
Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly or sin. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth. And righteousness shall look down from heaven. And the Lord will give what is good. And your land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him. And shall make his footsteps our pathway. Amen. So as he's writing here. And he's writing in this in this psalm here, he's talking about the people. He says, man, he says in verse 1, Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity or the sins of your people. You have covered all their sins. Amen. God was being gracious. God was showing mercy to them. Where God was in that place where they had been in captivity because of their sin, their wickedness. And their folly, and, and God now is restoring them, and He's calling them back. He's restoring them to that first place, to that first love. Amen. And this is something, friend, that we got to be very careful as Christians. That our hearts no longer let God not be our first love. That we have other things that will come in. And here, like I said, it talks about He's there. Said, listen, man, we're guilty. We fell to sin. We fell to places we shouldn't have been. We hung out with people we shouldn't have been. We started doing things we shouldn't have done. And our hearts are now away from God. And sometimes in our lives, we've got to be careful that we don't let sin come into our lives. And we're, when you think about sin, you can think about adultery, you can think about fornication, but you can also think about that place of unforgiveness. You can also think about that place of indifference spiritually towards the things of God. You can also think about alcohol or drugs, all these different things. You can even go to the place, friend, of the computer and sins you may do with the computer. And so we've got to guard our hearts and guard our minds that you and I, friend, don't come to that place where sin takes over and we finally come to that place of a spiritual callousness towards the things of God. Where we come to that place where if we sin, it doesn't really bother us because we know that God will forgive us when we confess our sins. And we get to that place, friend, where unforgiveness and anger, we start justifying when we have those things. And we come to that place, friend, where we no longer enjoy the blessings of God's favor. And how many want the blessings of God? I want the blessings of God. You want the blessings of God. I'm sure you do. But we got to be careful, friend, because, listen, there's churches, there's Christians that go to church, and inside they're messed up. Inside they got spiritual pain. It's like this. How many ever get a toothache? Everybody, anybody here ever get a toothache? At first, when it comes, it just comes a little bit. And like, ah, oh, man, that kind of bothers. And so what do you do? You put a little oral gel on it or whatever else they have, that little red stuff, that little Novocaine stuff. And it works for a minute, but as time goes on, it starts to hurt more. Until finally you get an abscess or something. Now you're in pain, man. You're crying, mommy, mommy, you can't sleep. And there's just there's a pain, man. It just throbs. Until and, and so we, you know, we take Tylenol and all that stuff, and that works for a moment. But eventually you gotta go see the dentist. And then what he's gonna do, he's gonna give you a prescription for antibiotics, Keflex, or apicillin or moxicillin, and all these different things. And what that does is that heals you. It takes away that infection. And once they go in, drill, blast it, it's all good. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Same thing within our life, friend. We many times uh, the Lord's dealing with us. We got a spiritual pain. We feel there's something's not right with us. And and instead of 
taking care of it and getting to the root of the problem and coming to God and saying, Lord, I got sin in my life. I got this problem going in my life. We just deal with it and trying to hope if we come to church and get a little praise on, hear a little sermon, then we're going to be good. But there's, not, there's nothing that got to the root of the problem because we just put some Novocaine on it so we don't feel so bad. We came to church to make ourselves feel better. But in reality, revival, it starts when it comes to our heart and our soul. When the Spirit of God is able to deal with us, amen, and when the Spirit of God is able to move upon our hearts, to move upon our lives. He says there in verse 4, he says, Restore us, O God, of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. And then in verse 6, he says, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Man, this is a cry, and he's pleading to God here. He says, Lord, revive us in our spirit, God. Revive us for our hunger for you, God. Revive us for our faith for you, God. Revive us in our zeal for you, God. Revive us, God, in our relationship with you, God. Revive us in our land. Revive us in our church, God. And this is what it takes when the people of God will come to that place and search their hearts, amen, because we got to search our hearts so often because they said we can be spiritually indifferent sometimes. And we got to be careful. Like you said, with the two things, you can try Orgel and Tyler and all those things, but it doesn't take away the problem of the situation. And the same thing with us. We can you know, put a Band-Aid on ourselves. Spiritually, we try and do these things, but we got to come to that place where we say, Lord, I need your spirit to deal with me, to show me areas of my life that will keep me from totally serving you. Right? And in the days we're living and we see, listen, we see the world, amen. We say, man, the world needs revival, right? We all say that. God, we need a revival. But listen, the revival will not start in the world until it starts with you and I. Till God is able to penetrate our hearts and God is able to penetrate our soul. And that God, amen, is in control of our life because many Christians don't allow him to have control of their life. Man, we're so easy. That song we used to sing back in the day, Lord, my heart is prone to prone to leave the God I love my heart Lord take and seal it amen and this is what happens with us sometimes you know we like I said we we, we, we we go after the things of the world more than we do after the things of God and the revival is the inner work of the Lord and no one else it's when the spirit of the Holy Spirit the starts showing areas in our life that are not right with God Areas of sin, lust, and pornography, or whatever it may be, and bitterness, and anger, and all these things, and God starts dealing with us, and do we let him deal with us, or do we just tune him out? Because we see that our world's in the spiritual, uh, a state of spiritual decline. But what about the decline of spirituality in the church, in the Christians, in your life, in my life? Come on, i got to throw myself in there too. How's your spiritual condition today? Revival starts in the heart. Where God takes out the stony heart and gives us a heart of flesh. Where God circumcises the heart. He talked about, I believe it's in Hosea. You know, circumcision, friend, takes off that excess stuff that's not there, that should not be there. It starts within our heart, church. If we're going to change our families, if we're going to change our lives, if we're going to change society, the church has to start with us. You got to start with me. You got to start with you. And in Psalms 85, he describes the problem of whatever it means to return to the Lord. He says, who is faithful to draw us back to himself. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace, friend. 
The draws us back to him. The draws the backslider back to him. The draws, amen, us people always to him. God, and, and, and when you think about it, God who saved us and redeemed us still has to call us back to him because we're like sheep. We go astray. But thank God, friend, that he's merciful to us to call us back to that place of repentance, to bring us back to that place, friend, where he'll forgive us if we only confess. Like he said, he says, Lord, revive us again. I wonder today, who of us here can say, Lord, I need you to revive me spiritually. I need you to revive me, God, in my faith. I need you to revive me, God, in my faith and giving. I need to revive you to revive me, God, with a hunger and thirst for you. Because I'm caught up by the world, caught up by other things, and they have priority within my life. And listen, the definition of revival is a simple one. If someone faints, we give them water. Or something back to bring to, to, to revive them. Listen, we've even heard of celebrities and actors that were washed up and their life was going nowhere. They, 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 they made B-movies and you're like, wow, you know, these guys have made a good movie in a long time. But something happens and then they start to revive themselves again. Their careers revived, amen? Or athletes, maybe they got an injury and they start, they get back on track and they're revived again. Their career's back on track. And the same thing with us, friend. Sometimes we got to come to that place and say, Lord, revive me again, Lord. Revive me. You know, it's, just, it's, it's like in the hospital, in the ER, when someone's dying. What do they do? They get those pads, man, clear, boom, and bring them back to life, revive them. Sometimes we got to say, God, revive me, God. I'm my heart, God. Help me. Give me one of those spiritual things, boom, man, to bring me back to my first love, to bring me back to that place, because we got to examine ourselves. Paul says in many Corinthians, says, to examine ourselves, to see if we're in the faith, to prove ourselves. So when you prove yourself, what it is, is it's like an a, a axe. Someone, if you go to Home Depot or wherever they sell axes, you buy an axe and it has a label, a decal, and it tells you what it's for, or metal it was made, and all that stuff. And you know you got an axe, but the quality of it, you don't know until you actually use it. You go chop down a tree, right? And maybe it's chopping the tree down, bam, man, take the chunks off, like, yeah, this is good quality. Then you get one that's like, man, you're beating it to death and it ain't doing nothing. And what happens is, until it's put in use, you don't know the quality. Until it's actually been sharpened right, it will not cut right. And the same thing with you and I, friend. We got, we can say we're Christians, but the proof is, what quality of Christian are you? So like I said, the axe, it'll, it'll tell you it's made of this metal, who made it, and all that stuff. But until it's used and it's effectiveness, then it's just an axe. So the same thing with us as Christians. We can say we're Christians, but are we effective? What quality are we made of? So that axe that was made that was probably better than the other one might have been put in the forge room. Might have got more impurities out. Might have, you know, been tested more. Maybe gone through the fire a couple times and tested it treated again and again. Same thing within our lives. Sometimes God has to take us in that fire to purge things out of our lives that should not be there. And see, revival presupposes spiritual decline. In other words, when you talk about revival, that means something's declining, something's dying, something's fading away. A spiritual decline necessitates, it needs revival. But listen, revival is always focused on God's people. 
It's not a building. It's not on a, a nation, although that can be effective. But when it comes down to us, it comes down to us as a church, as Christians, amen? They, God, amen, has to revive us in our lives. Hey, I, I'm a human like you, and I got to pray that sometimes too. Lord, revive me, God. Revive my faith. Revive my purpose. Revive my vision. Revive, Lord God. Take out those things that are not of you. Search my heart, O oh God. Take out those things. If there's any wicked way, take it out, God. And this is something we got to do sometimes because, like I said, if you got to revive something, that means it's in decline. And in the church today, Christians are divorcing about the same as the unsaved today, about 50%. And there's too many churches that have a spirit of lifelessness and decline. I was reading a story about these pastors and they were talking about how they would call for a prayer meeting and nobody shows up. They would call for an outreach and nobody showed up. They would call for whatever it was and people say, okay, but nobody ever showed up. And so they were talking about, man, you know, there's a spiritual decline in the church where, man, if someone said they're going to do it, they're going to do it. And because what happens is we lose our priority in the kingdom of God of what God wants us to do. And we no longer have that urgency or the hunger for the things of God that we used to have or we need to have. So there's a decline of lifelessness within churches today. They were talking about how many churches today the people of God are leaving them. And they're not going to another church. Some are, but a lot of them are just, they're not serving God. Their heart, their priority were no longer, God was no longer their first love. And so we've got to be very careful, friend, that we don't get caught up in the world. We don't get caught up by sin. We don't get caught up in other things that distract us from God. And this is the word of God. The more we get of this in our life, the more we're not going to be lifeless. The more we're not going to be dead. Because this is a life-changing book. And when we listen to the word of God and we obey the word of God, the blessings of God come in your life. The freshness of God comes within your life. You're not going to be dry no more. You're not going to be like, oh man, sucking lemons, woe is me. But you're going to have a joy for God. Psalms 85, 8 says, I listen carefully to what the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful person. But let them not return to their foolish ways. So he's, he's writing to the people. He says, God's willing to forgive. God's willing to refresh. God's willing to do all these things, these things in your life. But don't go back to your foolish ways or your evil ways or your ways of sin. Repent and go forward. And Isaiah 53, 6, this describes it so perfectly. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own ways. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Many Christians are like sheep. We strayed away from God. We strayed away from the desires or precepts of God. And we got to be careful, friend. Listen, treating symptoms is not enough. Like a toothache, like you said earlier. Just because you pop something, amen, pop a pill, that's, that's only a short-time solution for a long-term problem. See, the root is change when we change. A change listen, a real revival will challenge us to motivate us for the things of God. It'll help us in our mind, in our thinking, and what you think on. Listen, church programs, all that stuff, that ain't going to change anything. It's when you allow God to change your heart and move. The other thing is, revival is a restoration of the spiritual life of God's people. Again, there's a lot of churches. They got a lot of people in their churches, but most of the people, or a lot of the people, they don't have a spiritual life. 
It's so true. I mean, they, 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 they don't read their Bible. They, they, they go to church now and again. They don't want to be accountable. That's why a lot of people go to big churches, because you go to a big church, nobody's going to ask you where you've been, how you've been doing. They're not going to check your life. You could be living with somebody and no one's going to know. Not married. You could be gay and nobody knows. You could be this or that and nobody knows. You could be out there be a sipping saint, you know, on church on Sunday, but Friday night you're at the nightclub. So you can't do the two. Either we're going to do one or you're going to do the other. God says, my way are not your ways. So we got to be careful from that. We can respect ourselves to him for just like those who got cold blue, baby. They need their heart to bring them back to life. Coming back of the life to the life. He says in verse 6, won't you revive us again so your people can... Friend, there's nothing worse than a Christian that's gloomy and sad. That their joy for coming to the house of God or worshiping or singing or all those things for the things of God is no longer there no more. You've got to check yourself. What's taking away that desire? What's taking away that joy? What's taking away that hunger, that fervency for the things of God? It's the things of the world that could be sin. And people don't like to hear that. Like, oh, man, you know. No. Sin is our nature, our old nature. And if we're not careful, that old nature will sneak back up on you. God must bring us that place of revival for before it can spread to others. They talk about the COVID right now, amen, the 19, amen. He, man, if you get too close to somebody, it's going to get on them. Friend, let somebody get close to you and let the Spirit of God get on them, amen. Let, let someone see you say, man, that person's got the joy of the Lord. You know what that person, man, love God. You know that person, man, they know the Word of God. You know what, go to that person because they'll pray for you. And most Christians said, they're like, oh, I can't pray for you. You know, go to the pastor. No, you got power. Like you said, today, revival is just jumping around and yelling. That's not revival. Revival, friend, is drawing us closer to God. Revival is changing our lives. Revival is God's spirit changing us, conforming us, the word of God working in us, making us new creations in Christ. And listen, revival is not a merely reformation. In other words, it's not just an outside change. Because listen, we go change our clothes, put on a suit, a tie, a dress, a hat, and all that stuff. And we look better on the outside, put some makeup on, all that stuff. But that's on the outside. God's not looking for an outside change. Although, from the inside, that makes our outside come out differently. Our words, our thinking, amen, our attitudes, what we do for the kingdom of God. And like I said, God's not concerned about the outside. He's looking on the inside of our heart. What do we think about? What, what controls our Just like the riots right now, they're trying to reform everything, the police department, everything else, right? And all that is, is not going to change anything. Because why? It's a condition of man's heart. It's a sinful nature of man's heart. Prejudice and anger and bitterness and all these different things. That's never going to change because they're human. So they can do all these different programs. They can do all these investments into this neighborhood and that neighborhood. But that's not going to change anything unless God changes a man's heart. I saw a video real quick yesterday of this guy. He's a former cop, and he was talking about all the madness going on. So anyways, he went off in his tangents about, you know, African-Americans, just rioting in general. It didn't matter what color. He says, you know, I used to think the same way. He says, until I gave my life to Christ. He says, now God's changed. He says, it's no longer the white man that keeps me down. He says, I keep myself down. 
He says, no longer the white man like he used to think that would keep me oppressed. He says, this is the stupid things I did. He says, I, I've caused these problems. And so the same thing with us, friend. The problems that happen in our lives, many times we cause them because we no longer are obeying God or serving him the way we should. And we need God to change us on the inside, not the outside. Are you guys with me? Going through the that's not going to help us either. It's when you and I, friend, have that hunger and that desire for the kingdom of God. Rituals, routines, all those. We know how to do that. But, friend, where are you in your heart? Proverbs 29, 19 says this. As water reflects, life reflects the heart. So when we look in the water, right, just like a mirror, it shows our face. We can see ourselves. But the way we live God and serve God will show where our heart is. Your spiritual action, your spiritual desire, spiritual obedience to God, that shows what's in your heart. And the last thing is, the root problem is dealing with God's demand for righteousness. God wants us to live a righteous life. God wants us to live an obedient life. God wants us to live a holy life. Can you say amen? God is a God of loving and righteous. You know, I love what he says right here, back in our text. I lost it. But Psalms 85. He says, Mercy, in verse 10, Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Mercy is God's mercy for us. God's forgiveness. God's grace. And truth is who we are and how we're acting. Truth will show us in our sinful condition. Truth will show us in our disobedience. Truth will show us our spiritual attitude towards the things of God. But when mercy is there to forgive us for all those things, that's when the two have come to kiss together. In other words, that's why they came, amen, through the cross, amen, mercy and grace and righteousness, friend. Those two came together on the cross when Jesus died for our sins. Listen, God is a God of love, absolutely, and righteousness. But again, these people had to leave idolatry, things that overtook the things of God. That God was no longer the priority. Listen, when they went into idolatry those days, they started serving other gods, little gods, false gods. They started usually end up in signs of sexual immorality or, or something, but their hearts are always taken away from God. See, our actions will prove our thoughts and our allegiances. We have a need to be taken back to where we should be in our salvation and walk with God. Even if you have to go back to the very first place where you got saved and come back place and say, Lord, save me again, or Lord, start me from my beginning, God. Remember when I first fell in love with you, God. Remember my hunger for you. Remember my thirst. This is where we've got to come back some places when our heart is no longer in that place where we thirst after the living God. See, I'd rather be on the wrong... This is, let me rephrase this. Being on the wrong side or the right side of God makes all the difference. In other words, if you're obeying God, you're going to, you're disobeying God, you're going to be on the wrong side. And the Bible says who we love, he chastises or he corrects. 
But if you're on the right side of God and you're obeying him, blessings come with it. Right? The blessings of God. God will bless you. But if you're living in sin and you're doing all those things, friend, you're going to have heartache and attitude. And man, you're just going to be messed up in your head. Your hunger, your desire for the things of God won't be there. So I'd rather be on the right side where the blessings and the joy of the Lord is in my life. Right? Because listen, how many know when you sin, you feel miserable? You get a habit of sin, you're really going to feel miserable. And so we, I don't want to be miserable. How about you? So 2 Corinthians 13, 5 is where Paul says, examine yourselves to see if you're in faith. Genuine. Prove yourselves. Prove yourselves. Wow. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed to test the genuine faith. Wow. We all need rescue and deliverance from our sins. Let's go to Psalms 51, 8. 51. As we end up, as we wind this up here, Psalms 51. This is David after he fell with the sin of Bathsheba. Verse, starting verse 1. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sins and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression. Other, he's, he's confessing God. Say, listen, man, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm saying what I did wrong. And my sin is always before me. Listen, David had a lot of guilt. He committed adultery. He said, took that guy's wife. He had the man killed, amen. And he did all kinds of stuff. Some commentators said for a year he didn't even really speak to the Lord. He says, and my sin is always before me. The guilt, the shame was always filled before him. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my, brother my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and the hidden part you will make me, know, make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be made whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that bones you have broken away. Rejoice. Amen. And this is David here crying out, confessing his sin, saying, Lord, I am guilty. Amen. Listen, there, there, there's Christians out there, men and women, that they're, they're dating people that aren't even saved. And they get caught up in sin. They get caught up in the old ways. And before you know it, they're not even in church no more. I have a good friend, started dating a Jehovah Witness at the anointing of calling to God. Now she's not even in the church, I don't think. And so we've got to be careful. We're not unequally yoked as well. Just because he looks good and cute and all that stuff, that don't mean that that's a man or woman of God for your life. Don't let them tempt you into sin. You need to repent and turn away, as David said here. God's always there, friend to show us mercy and grace, to love us and to give us a chance to come to that place of repentance, to come back to our first love. God's word, word willing to pardon us, to forgive us and give us a do-over, start over. But it starts in the heart. It really does. What's in your heart? What's in your mind? What do you think? About. Do you think about the things of God or do you think about the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of the world? 
See, when he's talking about mercy and truth, how they meet together, this, this word mercy in the Hebrew is hesed, H-E-S-E-D. And it's talking about the idea of the grace of God that we don't deserve, but the love of God that we don't deserve, but he gives it to us anyways. And he's always willing to give us that place to start over and to revive us again. And this occurs when we reconnect with God and we put him back as our first love. And I think I probably said this once or twice over the years of preaching. But sometimes, friend, you got to go home in your own, own place. Draw a circle, man, in your area, imaginary, whatever. You got to get in that place. And say, Lord, I need you to revive me again. I need you to touch me. I need you to take out every wicked way out of my life. I need you to take out everything in my life that's keeping from serving you and being obedient to you. Take out those things, God, that was a spiritual dam in my life. Revive me, God. Revive me in my love my heart. Not the last place. Like I said, nobody likes leftovers. Let's not give God our leftovers. Amen. We put everything else and then, oh yeah, we got time for you, God. I'll serve you. I'll worship you. I'll give my tithes to you. I'll give my offerings. But let me go do these other things first. No, God wants to revive us today, friend. We're going to make impact in our lives, in our church. If we're going to go in this church, man, we got to make impact on people's lives so they can see the difference in your life. Not just a religion, but man, that there's a fervency. You got that fever. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your mercy, your grace, God, which, Lord, we're not worthy of. But, God, you have shed the blood of your son Jesus on Calvary for our sins, Father. I pray today, Lord God, for every heart here, Lord God. You know our hearts better than us, God. Search our hearts, say God, through the Holy Spirit, God. You know that song, Kansas, a broken spirit? Want to play that? I don't play that.